Help me welcome our internet audience. God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, last week, uh, I introduced something to you. I want to take just a few moments before uh, we get into the word today and share with you about our Step Forward campaign. I trust you got one of these brochures. If you didn't, you can get one on the way out at, at guest services. Please, everyone, get one. You can also get it digitally, digitally um, online, and uh, they're there for you. What we're doing, and we do this on occasion, and, and let me just stop in case uh, this even crosses your mind. Some people say, well, that's all the churches want is your money. Um, don't say that about us, okay? Don't say that about us. If you say that we're always asking for money, you hadn't been anywhere else. You hadn't been anywhere else. We teach you biblical stewardship and give you opportunity for that. And then on occasion, there are things that we must do as a family, as a church family, to, to step forward and accomplish some, some things. And so what we're doing, our building is a little over 18 years old now. And uh, there's some upkeep that we need to do. We want to kind of give it a facelift to better uh, freshen the outside. And we need to resurface our parking lot. And then beyond that, and that's good stuff, and I'm, I'm happy and excited about that. But the thing I'm really excited about is we're going to be updating all of our children's and students areas in our next-gen area, all of the uh, environments back there. We call them environments. And so it's going to be the hallways and the classrooms. You saw some on the video earlier, and there's uh, some pictures of concept in here as well. And uh, that's going to be an amazing thing. Why are we doing that? It's not just about decorations. Are you hearing me? It is not just about decorations. It's about creating an irresistible environment, a place where they can grow, where they can learn, where they can worship. And uh, I want them to know that they're important, that they're valuable, that they're a priority to us. And let me tell you something. The war is on, and, and we, we are going to show up for the battle, okay? It's been said that whoever wants this next generation the most will have them. And I'm letting you, I'm, I'm serving notice to anybody, anything. We want them. We want them for the kingdom of God. We're not just going to let our kids go. Amen. <laughs> studies, studies uh, give us these statistics that those who do receive the Lord, who get saved, 80% of those that do, do so by age 21. And so you see that there's got to be a huge target and emphasis on those 21 and, and younger and all the way we're actually a multi-generational multicultural church and so if you're born and you're alive we're after you okay Amen. and 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 we want you we want god's best for your life now real quick let me get down to the numbers on it um it's projected at three hundred and eighty-seven thousand dollars. that's way more than i could ever do that's probably more than you could do but guess what that's that's something easy to do with all of us and so all of us just do your part um we're not going to pressure you. We don't do pressure here. I just want you to before the Lord. And please do this, though. Go before God. God, what do you want me to do with step forward? Get, in, get informed on it and then say, Lord, what do you want me to do? He's not going to ask you what, he won't, what you're not able to do, what he's not able to provide for you to do. And I'm asking everybody to be serious about doing that. And uh, some obviously be able to do more than others, but it's just a matter of all of us doing our parts, just like a healthy family. And as we do this, we've, we've had four or five other initiatives about the same size as far as cost-wise, and we were able to do those quickly and easily. So I'm believing over the next few months, all of us doing our part, I have to throw this in over and above your regular giving, because if you don't do it over and above, you're going to crash something else in the ministry. And we just, you know, let's, let's be responsible. Don't rob Peter to pay Paul. Let's trust God and, and obey him in that. And I'm telling you this, you can't outgive God. And uh, we'll, we'll be glad that we got all of this done. So you're, you can go ahead and start giving on that. You can give online. You can um, 
you know, give next time that you show up or whatever. You can mail it in, whatever you want to do. And uh, let's take care of this over the next few months. We'll get all this taken care of. God will get the glory. And I'm telling you, that place is going to be so exciting back there. And we're going to look fresh outside. It'll be a good, good thing. Amen. And we'll all be smiling and giving each other a high five because you helped to do it too. Amen. All right. Well, let's get into the word today. Anybody here want to thrive? Okay. It's mostly these guys over here. So anybody here want to thrive? Okay. All right. Good, good. All right. God does not want you to just survive. He certainly does not want you to languish. He wants you to thrive. And we, we want to look at how does that happen? Important things in scripture on this. And uh, we've spent the last two weeks already on a number of things. Uh, I'm actually extending this series a little bit, and it's going to take us right up to Thanksgiving, uh, which, which is going to work out really, really good. And that's not that long. You know, I, I have done series before that were like 27 weeks, okay? So I typically do about six unless I just feel the Lord directing, and, so, and I do. And so we're going to take this a few extra weeks um, on Thrive. Um, how many of you like the bottom line? Just get to the bottom line, you know? Um, Sometimes you're talking to somebody and, and uh, you know, this happened to me before. You'd be at the grocery store and you got, you know, bread and milk and yogurt and a few other things. And somebody stops you and they talk and they talk and they, and they talk and they add some stories and they talk. And by about the time you shake free of, from them, you know, bread, milk and yogurt are all out of date. You know, it's just <laughs> go back and do it again. Uh, sometimes what I will do, um, is I, they're going on and on. I could tell, you know, this, this is going to take a month, you know, cause they're telling this story real time, you know, sometimes what I'll do, I'll say this, I, I'll just zone in a little more and I'll go, now, how did that end? <laughs> Y'all can use that if you want. Okay. So. And then they'll just, it just kind of bumps them ahead, skips them ahead. And then they'll tell me, that's awesome. Good talking to you. My milk's rotten. I got I to gotta, I gotta go. So, but sometimes we can go on and on and on about something. And I, I want to know the bottom line. I want to know the bottom line. And I'm going to share with you some things today that if, if you didn't hear anything else, this would help you to just get to the bottom line on how to thrive. Let's go ahead and look in Psalm 92. And we'll pick up here in verse 12. Now, I've had some people say, well, what, what is that? And this is the translation or the version. So this is New King James Version. Psalm 92, verse 12 through 15. The righteous shall flourish. And whenever you see flourish, I want you to think thrive, okay? The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. Live in Florida. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish or thrive in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. And so we see this metaphor, this word picture of we can be like this tree. We can be fresh and green and in the original language, full of sap and vibrant and fruitful. And it's this picture that God uses. It's the dominant picture that he shows us throughout scripture of something that is alive and thriving and flourishing. And God wants that for you. I want you to know that. That's what we talked about that first week is just to get you start thinking about that and stop holding yourself down by your past or other people's words or your current situation and realize God wants me to thrive. Everybody say, God wants me to thrive. Amen. Now, 
There are, if you'll look at a life, look at your own life, look at other lives, and don't judge other people, but um, you can observe, certainly. You will find that if a person is thriving or not thriving, there are reasons. There are reasons. And we tend to, in our culture and in our society today and in our nation, our nation is notorious in every realm and arena of no one taking any responsibility. And I want you to know that you and I must take responsibility for our lives. You and I must take responsibility for our lives. And ultimately, uh, the Bible tells us each one of us will give an account of himself to God. And that's not just a, uh, a thing of some concern. That's also a very liberating thing. That, you know, and, and guess what? You're going to have proper representation when you do that too. And do you know who that is? The Lord Jesus. He's your advocate with the Father. But... Um, there are things that we do, and this is what I want us to get. There, if you thrive or don't thrive, it can be tracked to some reasons. There's some things that you do or you don't do that causes you to thrive. There's some things that you do or don't do that causes you to not thrive. And so we want to look at this throughout this series, but today uh, in particular. Now, in Psalm 92, we saw this all, already earlier, the righteous shall flourish. And I just want to go there today, okay? The righteous shall flourish. Would you read it with me? The righteous shall flourish. The, it's the, who is it that's going to thrive? It's the righteous. Well, we start to get snagged a little bit right there, okay? The righteous. Am I righteous? Am I not righteous? I know I'm supposed to be. Am I, what is this? And so let's, let's kind of deal with that a little bit. If we take the idea that concept of righteousness or righteous and you are let me go ahead and tell you if you are if you are a believer in Jesus Christ you're a follower of Jesus you've received him as savior and lord uh you are righteous okay well i don't feel very righteous and i sure haven't been acting righteous we'll get to that okay but positionally you are in him you're righteous meaning this you're in right standing with god you're good with god Okay, so you're in right stand with God. You have right relationship with God. But if we take the, all that that word encompasses, it also includes this. Right relationship, right standing with God. And it also results in right behavior, right actions, and right morals. So it's not just I'm doing something, but I possess inside. I know what's right. Okay, and so it's right relationship with God, and it has impact. It has outgrowth in my life that I have right actions, and I have right uh, morals as well. Now, let me relieve all of us on this. This does not imply perfect, okay? Because if righteous requires perfect, then I just missed the bus. How about y'all? And guess what? There ain't no other buses coming. We are stuck. We are, we are stranded. So nothing we can do to help ourselves. But it's what Jesus has done for us. Let's see this here in Second uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 21, this is in the New International Version. It says, God made him, him is Jesus. God made him, y'all with me? Okay. God made him who had no sin, that further tells us that's Jesus. God made him who had no sin to be or to become sin for us. So that, everybody say so that. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now Jesus obviously right with God, the son of God, but also without sin. That is in there for, for a reason. Even though he came to earth as a man, he lived a life perfect with no sin. He remained fully righteous before God. But here's what God did. I call it the great swap. Okay. The great swap. We were sin. He was righteous. We had sin and we couldn't do anything about our sin. 
We couldn't earn it off. We couldn't, we couldn't pay it off. We, could, we couldn't hope somebody would ignore it. We had sin and could do nothing about that debt of sin. It would cost us everything and we couldn't even pay it. And God, out of his love, I mean, John 3.16 is overlaid all over this thing, made him who had no sin to become sin for us. He took our sin upon him. He became sin and And then being sin for us was nailed to the cross, to the tree, taking all of our sins, all of our, uh, everything that we had done wrong out of the way. So it's out of the way between us and God. And so, and he put his righteousness, put us in right standing with God because he took the sin out of the way. Jesus did that. So we are righteous with God, not because of our good behavior. We're righteous with God because of what Jesus did for us. Can I get a better amen on that? When I came in this morning, I was, I was going up the steps to my, to my office. And I got about halfway up the stairs, and, and there on the stairs is a lizard. And he's about that long, and, and he's skinny, and he just doesn't look good. And so I caught him, and, and I talked to him. And I said, what are you doing in here? And he talked back. No, wait, no, he didn't. With his little lizard eyes, he kind of did. He kind of said, somebody told me there's a party all up in here. And and I can't find the party. And I'm starving and I'm lost and I don't know what I'm doing. And I said, I'm going to help you out. And I walked down the stairs and I took him out and opened the door and uh, released him onto a bush and, and he took off. Now, in that story, I'm the savior, but that's all I could ever save is a, is a lizard, okay? okay? But we're the lizard. We're, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but we're that lizard. And the world told us, there's a party up in here. And so we, so we go, and we, we're expecting all this great time, whatever, and, and, and we go this whole and we end up in a place we don't belong. And we're starving and fading, and we don't know what to do, and he can't find his way out. And it took a savior to come along. That's what Jesus did. And it set us back free again. Amen. Amen. Watch this, though. It's not just a matter of, okay, now I'm right with God. Now, don't forget the rest of what righteousness entails. Let's look here in 1 John chapter 3, verse 7. This is in the New Living Translation. Dear children, say that's me. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. Pay attention to that when you're reading Scripture and it tells you certain things about what it's going to tell you. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. How many of you know we can do anything temporarily? I mean, I could talk in an Australian accent temporarily, you know. Uh, we can behave for a little bit. Remember in school, you get threatened, you, you behave at least through lunch. It's like, oh, good, I can do that, okay? And... People can do something right, but that does not necessarily mean that they're righteous. Okay? I mean, there's good people. But being good people doesn't get you to heaven. Doesn't get you in right relationship with God. So I want to put it to you this way. The New King James says this, that those who practice righteousness are righteous. Practice indicates to us it's it's a pattern. It's consistency. Not perfection, but consistency. Okay? So... To sort this out, let me tell you this. We are not righteous. Don't miss this. We are not righteous because we do right things. We do right things because we're righteous. Okay? I'll say it again. 
We are not righteous because we do right things. You're not going to get righteousness because I'm going to do all the right stuff. We're not righteous because we do right things. We do right things because we're righteous. Because I'm in right standing with him. I, want, I, I don't want to be back in that place again. And his love for me and his help by the Holy Spirit and the direction of his word. And I, I want to do the right thing because I see that it gives me life. You keep his word and you live. And so, we, again, we're not righteous because we do right things. We do right things because we're righteous. If you got that, bob your head or do something. All right. Now, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, and this is in the Amplified Bible, it says, but seek... And then notice parenthetically here, aim at and strive after. So it, it doesn't indicate perfection, but it sure indicates I'm trying with everything I've got. Aim at and strive after. First of all, his kingdom and his what? Righteousness. And notice what it says here for righteousness. It's his way of doing and being right. So not only are you and I in right standing with God, But we want to seek after, aim at, and strive after his way of doing and being right. So the fullness of righteousness is I'm in right standing with God. And as a result of that, then I have actions and morals that connect with that. And what did we start out with? What's the bottom line? The righteous will flourish. The righteous will thrive. So if you and I want to thrive, we need to be in right relationship with God and then also Seek at, aim at, and strive after his way of doing and being right. And look at the result of this. And then all these things taken together will be given you besides. Can I get an amen on that? Now, if you thrive or if you do not thrive, and I'm just going to bring it down to this, it is directly related to what you do and what you don't do. Settled that God wants you to thrive. But how many of you know you've got to align yourself with God? You've, you've got to cooperate with God. And so God wants you to thrive, not bob your head if you want that for yourself. But it's not just going to happen, sweetheart. You, you have to align yourself, cooperate with God. There are certain things that you do and certain things that you don't do. Don't reduce this to a list of do's and don'ts. Instead, think of it as I'm cooperating with God. And it makes sense in every other area of our life. So don't, don't choke on it religiously. I mean, if, you, if your yard looks really nappy right now, or if your yard is pristine and, and groomed, y'all with me? How many of you know that it just didn't happen that way? Either you or you paid somebody or made somebody come and, come and take care of that. Okay. How about this? If your children are little monsters, well, now let's don't use that one. Let's, uh, Virtually everything in life, the results you're getting have to do with something you're doing or you're not doing. You know, you see somebody and their hair is all full and shiny and all that stuff. You go, what do you do for your hair? You know, or somebody, if your car is clean right now, or if your garage is a mess or your garage is cluttered, it's because there's something you're doing or something that you're not doing. Are you following me? And the same is actually true. Let's bring it down deeper here. The same is actually true concerning if we thrive or not. Now let's go into the Psalms. We're going to look in Psalm 1. This is incredible here, okay? Psalm 1, verse 1 and 2 in the New King James Version. It says, blessed is the man. Everybody say, blessed is the man. Okay, all right, all right. What is the temperature of when water boils? 212. Okay, y'all are at about 29210 right now. Okay. And this is best served steaming hot. Okay. So I need y'all to just crank it up 
just two, three degrees, okay? Can we do that? So, so let me start over with this here. Blessed is the man. Everybody say blessed. blessed. Now, didn't that feel better? Didn't that feel better? I was, a restaurant, I was at a restaurant the other night. I had to send my food back twice because it was cold, okay? So I don't want you sending nothing back, okay? Blessed. Everybody say it again. Blessed. What's another word for blessed? Thrive. He's, this guy's thriving. Blessed is the man. Watch, watch what happens now. What, and follow the... What's going on? We'll, ex- we'll explain this. Blessed is the man who walks not. So here's something he does not do. Walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Nor, here's something else he does not do. Stands in the path of sinners. Nor, another thing he does not do. Sit in, sits in the seat of the scornful. Verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. This is what he does do. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates every other Tuesday. No, when? Day and night. It just, it just gets in you. It just gets you. you ever had a song? You ever get a song? You know, some songs, it's like they're good, and then after a while, it's like, okay, enough. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Okay. All right. The one who thrives... Let's look, first of all, some things he does not do, okay? Things he does not do. First one is this. He does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. He does not. If you want to thrive, and we're going to see how much this guy's thriving in a moment. Y'all with me? It's important. This is for you, okay? That's why I keep asking if you're with me, because it's for for you. It's kind of like feeding a baby sometimes. You know, it's like, look this way. We We want to get it to you. He does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. The word counsel there actually means advice. So pastor, you're saying I can't take any advice from the ungodly. Not real life advice. Okay, now let me, let me qualify this. You need the ungodly in your life though. It's part of the reason you're still here. You're to be salt and light. You're not to be the world's judge. You're not, you're not to be the world's cop. You're to be building bridges. Do you hear me? We're not, we're not letting people go on stuff, but you're to love people. That's the big command. You're to love people. But when it comes to counsel and advice in my life, there's some people I just can't take their counsel and advice. Okay? Now, there's some things I'll take their advice. They, they know how to grow better tomatoes or how to get that stain out or how to fix my car or, or whatever it would be. There's, there's, there's a level of advice you can take. But when it comes to life advice, the real deal stuff, if you want to thrive, you can't be taking your counsel from the ungodly. Well, who, who are the ungodly? Well, just look at the word ungod. They leave God out. So I can't take life advice from somebody who leaves God out. Y'all hear me? I love them. I'm going to cheer them on. I'm praying for them. I'm going to be salt. And I'm going to be light. But I can't take life advice from somebody who leaves God out. Let me put it to you this way. Your life equation, your life equation, if you leave God out, you're always going to have the wrong answer. So if I'm going to thrive, if you're going to thrive, I can't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. The second one is this, nor stands in the way or the path of sinners. Who are, the, who are sinners? What does that mean? It means they missed the mark. They missed the mark. And so what I can't do, I can't just hang out. Now, I thought, still supposed to have those people in your life. Yeah, but you need to be careful because listen to this. If you, litter, if you loiter with them, you will litter with them. If you just hang out with people, you're going to eventually do what they do. 
Am I telling the truth here in this place? You, know, you just, just hang out. There comes a time where you go, ah, gotta go. You know? Love you, gotta go. Why? It has to do with thriving. Come to church with me Sunday and you'll see. Okay? So stand, stand, you can't stand in the way or the path of sinners. They keep missing the mark. Would you go to a dentist who had a reputation of chipping everybody's teeth? You know, or a, a restaurant where they burn everybody's food or something? No, no, no. So I can't, I can't hang with that. I love you. I'll, I'll be a part of your life. I'm going to cheer you on, but I, I can't do that. And then thirdly is what, watch this, sit in the seat of scoffers. I want you to notice this, the digression, walk, stand, sit. So just was kind of going along, and then I got some bad advice. And then you just start hanging out, and then you settle in. And who you settle in with, this is dangerous. Watch this. Scoffers, they're, scorn, they're the scornful, they're mockers. Can I tell you this about them? They're against God. Now, up here, they leave God out. Here, they're against God. You never settle in with that. You all hear me? You never settle in with that. Now, leave God out. Can I tell you something? You do that. I do that sometimes. Come on, how many of you made a decision or said something? Oh, left God out. And sometimes in the moment we had a reason why we did. So I love God. You love God. But sometimes we leave God out of a a decision or process. Bob your head if you know what I'm talking. I'm telling you the truth. But this is different because they not only leave God out, they're against God. They're against God. They would be pointing the whole other direction. So this man thrives, first of all, because he does not do these things. Let's continue on and see what he does. And we just read this in Scripture. Here's what he does, or she does. Go ahead. Delights in the law of the Lord. Everybody say that. Delights in the law of the Lord. Don't let law throw you. You're going to find in the Old Testament, there's a lot of words, commandments, statutes, dictates, um, on and on, that, that talk about ultimately just God's word. So you delight in God's word and look at the other part of it here. You meditate, you meditate, you think on it. The, the Hebrew word means to mutter to oneself. Um, it's to ponder, it's to weigh. The guy who thrives, certain things that he does not do, certain things he does. Now listen to me, if you're going to thrive, you told me you wanted to. You told me you understood that God, God wants that for you. There are certain things you cannot do and certain things you must do. Now, I'm not earning righteousness. This is not this checklist of do's and don'ts. However, there are some things I cannot do and other things I must do if I'm going to thrive. Let's look and see how much this guy thrives. We saw what he does not do and what he does do. Look in verse 3 here. He shall be like a tree. There's that metaphor again. Tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. How many of you know that guy is thriving? The scripture goes on though. Look in verse four here. And it says the ungodly are not so the, the message paraphrase says, but not the wicked. The one guy's thriving, but the ungodly, not so. Um, this ungodly also means wicked and it's the opposite of righteous. It means, uh, morally bad and actions bad. It's, it's the opposite and not in right standing with God. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff. That's far from being a tree. Like the chaff, which the wind drives or blows away. Let me tell you what the chaff is in case you don't know. When they would bring in the wheat, they bring in the harvest. Then they would grind all of that 
And when they grind it, the husk and different things would come off. And it's virtually weightless and it has no value and no use. And so they winnow it or they will blow it away or let the, put it in places where the wind will just blow the chaff away. And I'm telling you what, that is not thriving. And there are exact opposites. This tree planted, no matter what's going on, it's fruitful and it's green and it's thriving. Or this uh, weightless, worthless stuff that just blows away with the wind. One is thriving, one is not. And here's, here's the direct correlation. It has exactly to do with what you do not do and what you do. And what one does and does not do causes him to thrive. And what one does and does not do causes him to blow away like the chaff. God wants you to thrive, but you have to align yourself. You have to cooperate with him. And in doing so, I'm telling you, his blessing will be on you to help you in this. I want to I zero in on one key action or condition. We, remember, we read back in verse 2. You still there? We read that um, his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Look at this in Psalm 112, verse 1 and 2. Praise the Lord. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Okay, yeah, y'all, you're down to like 210. Again, we need to get it, get it back up to 212. Okay, let's try, this, try it one more time. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Doesn't that just feel better? Yeah, because I don't want us to be the church that's like, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> Especially just before lunch. You know what he's doing? He's exclaiming something. He's like, holy wow. That's what he's saying. And he's looking at a life and why. He says, blessed, this guy's thriving, is the man, and watch this, who fears the Lord, and and who, what? There it is, delights how? Greatly in his commands. Go on to verse 2, look at this. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. You can position your kids and generations to thrive. Now, they're going to make their own decisions, okay? But you can help to position them so they're just ready to go and thrive. Amen. And I'm telling you what, if you're thriving on all cylinders, you're after God, not perfect, but you got grace on your life and blessing on your life and, it, and you consistently are after God, I'm telling you what, whether they get it right now or not, your kids will know, your kids will know to go after God. Amen? So his descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will thrive, will thrive. Let me break this down just a little bit. This guy is blessed. This guy is thriving because of two things. He fears the Lord, and he delights greatly in his commandments. And I want to break these down in the next few moments, and then we're, we're going to clear out of here. He fears the Lord. Now, when we say fears the Lord, sometimes we get lost in the language of that. Have you ever been afraid of something before? You, you fear something. Um, this, is not, this is not that kind of fear. Uh, my second-grade teacher our classroom had all these glass windows on, on one side. And if it started to cloud up and a storm started to come and started, you know, get real dark and, and thunder and stuff, my teacher literally would say, God's mad at somebody. And then she'd look right at me. So in second grade, my theology was really messed up, all right? It's not that. It's that God is so incredibly awesome. He's the creator. He's the redeemer. He's the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. He had no beginning. He has no end. He's perfect in every way. He's, and it's like you're telling somebody, and he's everywhere present at once. There's nothing he can't do. And he loves me. 
you know? And so you're just like in so much awe of God. It's like he's awesome. You're just blown away by God. So much so that I want to please him. I'm on his side. He knows everything. Why don't I do what he thinks is best? So the fear of the Lord is this incredible respect and reverential awe and, and worship to God. I, I put it this way. This is, this is me. This is how I sum up the fear of the Lord, the result of my life. I love what God loves, and I hate what God hates. Go ahead and say it. I love what God loves, and I hate what God hates. Now, that's a process for us, though. Because if you find out, now stay with me on this. If you find out that God likes something and you don't like it so much, you do now. Or if you found out that God doesn't like something, you kind of like it a lot. I don't anymore. You hear me? Well, where am I going to find that out? From his word. Okay. And his Holy Spirit will let you know. You participate in something that he doesn't like and you're a believer, guess who's inside of you? The Holy Spirit. And he'll let you know, well, I'm not real comfortable here doing this. And it's important to pay attention to that, okay? Um, I'll share this story with you. I've shared it over the years when I, when I teach on this, but it just, it just relates to this. I was in um, a community college last century, and... Um, <laughs> Uh, and there was this, I was a music major, trumpet player, and there was, this, there was this girl, and she was really pretty and talented and all of that, and I liked her. It wasn't Alicia. I didn't know Alicia yet. And uh, I thought, I, I'm going to get my nerve up, and I'm going to ask her out. So I asked her out, and to my, uh, I was glad. She said, yes, I'd love to. So I said, well, awesome. I said, um, well, where'd you like to go? What do you want to do? And she said, I want to go to the opera. She goes, I love the opera. And I said, I do too. <laughs> I love the opera. I love it. So a couple of nights later, I pick her up and she's in the car and then she turns in a seat kind of facing me and I thought, oh, she likes me. And then she said, I need to tell you something. And I go, Okay. She said, I love Jesus with all my heart. And I wasn't really walking with God that close. I was a believer, but I was backslid. And she said, I love Jesus with all my heart. And you know what I said? Me too. <laughs> so how many of you know sometimes you need to adjust? Okay. Okay. So if we fear the Lord, I love what God loves. Help me. I love what God loves. I hate what God hates. Fear of the Lord. And you've got to have it. You've got to have it or you're not going to thrive. And then the other part, delights greatly in his commands. I'm almost done this morning. Delights greatly in his commands. Let me just boil it down to this. Delights greatly in his commands. It means this. I love God telling me what to do. I love God telling me what to do. How many of you know then ourselves, we don't like people telling us what to do. I had several flights this last week. You know, and the airports and airplanes and stuff, they're really good at telling you what to do. And, and sometimes people are bossy and stuff. And there's just something in us, in our human nature, tell me what to do. You know, and, but you behave yourself. You've got to respond properly to authority. Because all authority comes from God. You say, well, that's right. No, just 
go with it. God will bless you for it. But we really don't like people telling us what to do. And myself, I don't like people telling me what to do because growing up, it's the way people told me how to do things. So all of us have got to do a better job of that. But guess what? God loves you and God's for you. And I delight greatly in his commands. I want to tell you, you know why? I love him telling me what to do. Why? Because he knows, he knows what to do. And don't get stuck on this word commandments here because the, first John tells us this, the commandments are not burdensome. They're not irksome. They're not grievous. They're for our good. Let me boil it down to this again. His word, his commandments, tell us, follow this, don't miss this. They tell us what gives us life. And they tell us what takes life away. I love him telling me what to do because when he tells me to do something, it gives me life. It helps me to thrive. If he tells me, don't do that, it's not to steal my fun. It's because he knows if I do that, it's going to take life away. I love him telling me what to do because his commandments tell me what gives life so I can be like a tree instead of chaff, just blowing away. And I love him telling me what to do because you and me are like lizards lost on a staircase. And if we just follow the world, come up here, party up here, you know, and we just, we just follow up, you're going to end up starving, dying, stuck dried up in a corner somewhere and somebody will find you later, so to speak. Are you following me? And we need a savior and we have a savior. And it's not just receiving a savior and being in a right relationship with him. Listen to me. God now wants you to thrive. Did you know that God wants people to know you're his kids? He wants it to be seen on you that you're his kids. And one of the ways you do that is you thrive and thrive. Please, please, please don't say thrive has to do with money. It will affect your money. But that is one small area of the whole gamut, the whole, the whole horizon of how God wants you to thrive. Of course, he's going to bless your storehouse. Of course, he's going to bless what you set your hand to do. Of course, he'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. But if you get so pigeonholed and just stuck on that, you're going to miss the greater good of this. God wants to bless your life. He wants you to thrive. But it doesn't just happen because of the color of your skin, how tall or short you are, what your name is, what your education. It happens because he wants you to. And there's certain things you do and certain things you don't do that show you're cooperating with God and aligning with him. And God will help you. God will help you to thrive. But I'm gonna go back to our first point this morning. Who is it that thrives? Who is it that will flourish? It's the righteous. It's the righteous. They're in right standing with God and they're gonna do the things and not do the things that God would have them to do. Those people will thrive. Did you get anything at all out of this?